This is the Four Quarters Podcast, your home court for college hoops and recruiting. Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the Four Quarters Podcast. I'm Adam Zagoria from zagsblog.com and SMY. Joined, as always, by my main man, Josh Newman, who's fresh off a trip to Charlotte. Josh, how's it going for you over there? Uh, good. You know, it was a, a bit of a late night, uh, minor travel issue, but, uh, you know, we got home safe last night, and uh, we're back into basketball mode today with you. All right, we're going to uh, talk some hoops later. A quick programming note to listen to all of SMY.TV's original podcasts covering the Mets, Jets, Knicks, Rangers, Islanders, and college basketball and recruiting. Just subscribe to the SMY.TV audio network on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the SMY.TV audio network. Please rate and review our channel. For the Mets fans out there, be sure to check out the latest edition of the Mostly Mets podcast covering all the news, notes, and rumors heading into the trade deadline. Now moving into the Four Quarters podcast, Josh and I have a big show with UCLA assistant coach David Grace, uh, Mass Rivals coach Vin Pastore, who just had a big July winning four tournaments, and Josh and I will talk about the USA U18 team and the senior national team. We're going to get it started in the first quarter with David Grace. Coach, welcome to the show. Hello. How's everybody doing on the East Coast? Hey, David, we're doing great. Thanks for giving us a few minutes from uh, sunny Los Angeles. I assume the weather's uh, nice as usual out there for you. Yeah, 75 and sunny every day. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, all right, so obviously there's some, been some news recently with your program, David. Jonah Bolden, I guess the school announcing yesterday that he will forgo his final two years and play professionally. I understand he's going to go back and play professionally in Australia. Um, you also lost Kobe Paris, who ends up going to Creighton after some academic issues or whatever there. Can you kind of elaborate on, on what happened here with Bolden's decision and what this means for your team? Well, Bolden came to us, uh, Jonah came to us, and, you know, he, he expressed his desire to um, go and play professionally. And um, obviously there's some other issues that went along with that, but I'm not allowed to talk about that uh, through the privacy of uh, – of the young man. So um, that was his decision. You know, we were um, saddened to hear that. We thought we had a uh, had him for a, a great year this season. You know, we were projecting that for him, and um, he's a great kid. Um, I recruited him, and, and we're on our way to Australia, so we might play against him. Yeah, that's, that's uh, funny. Do we know if he's yeah. – is he definitely looking to play professionally in Australia, David? I would think at this time of year, um, that's probably the goal. His father was a longtime player over there and, uh, for the Sydney Kings and um, a legend and a great guy. And uh, I'm assuming that's where he will end up. Yeah. The other question I wanted to ask you with is, um, I know Prince Ali had knee surgery. Uh, what's the status on that and when do you expect him back? And does he have to step up now You know that you've lost a couple other guards? Yeah, that was a heartbreaker. I mean, he was working really, really hard, and he um, had a great attitude. He's a great kid. Um, great to be around a New Yorker, and um, um, it, it's a tragedy. He, he'll probably be ready around January, and yes, we were expecting big things. And David, you had touched on before about the team is going to uh, Australia next month for a few games for a foreign trip. Um, for the people unaware of that, just tell us about that trip and just how do you think that will help the team moving forward? Well, you know, anytime you get 10 extra practices and, um, and we're going through those right now, um, it, it helps the team, especially the young freshmen. We have some heralded freshmen that are here now and um, 
it gives us a jump start on the season. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a great advantage, and uh, we also get to spend some time culturally um, exploring Australia with them. And you bring up the freshmen. You know, again, it's a heralded class. Uh, T.J. Leaf uh, and Lonzo Ball. Ball was uh, the Naismith High School Player of the Year uh, last season. What can people expect from T.J. Leaf and Lonzo Ball, David? Well, T.J. Um, is very versatile forward. Um, he can do a lot of things. He can stretch it out to the three-point line, and he can put it on the floor. You know, in practice, he's grabbing rebounds and bringing it up the court. So. Great vision, very intelligent kid, very good academically, and uh, we we're going to put him right in there and uh, rely on him this year. Uh, Lonzo Ball, what can you say about him? He won every award, went to a public high school, uh, went 35 and 0 as a high school, playing some of the best teams in America. Beat Mount Bird in Florida. Um, just a sensational player. Another great academic kid. Uh, they're comparing him to Jason Kidd. 6'6", six, six, can do it all. The best passer I've ever been around at the high school level. And um, he's, he's, um, the other kids are passing, too, in practice. So uh, he has that type of personality, and we're expecting big things. And then we have another kid named E.K. Inabugu, uh, who's a 6'10", shot blocker. Reminds me a little bit of a Patrick Ewing at the same stage as he's a Relentless shot blocker, rebounder. Um, his offensive skills will come along, and, and we're we're expecting big things from him as well. So, um, those three young men will definitely uh, help us with the returners that we have. Um, off the beaten path, you know, back this way, back east here in Jersey, uh, the Mammoth team that you guys faced last November. Obviously, you know, they used the win out at UCLA. That you know, that was kind of a springboard to a big season. Uh, you know, they won 28 games. Uh, they won the league regular season title in the MAC. They're returning almost everybody off that 28-win team. Um, in hindsight, you know what impressed you ab about that Mammoth team when you guys faced them last year? Well, you know I'm very good friends with King Rice, and he did a tremendous job with those guys. Should have got in the NCAA tournament. Um, I I know the politics that go along with that it didn't allow him to, but. Um, they're a tough, hard-nosed team. They they come at you. They're not they're not scared of anybody. They're not scared of big crowds. Obviously, they've shown that all last year. And and I knowing King like I do, he'll have them ready for another great season this year. David, it's Adam again. Obviously, UCLA is synonymous with uh, you know NCAA championships and winning. You guys went to two Sweet Sixteens in Coach Alfred's first two years. You don't make the tournament last year. How much pressure is there on, on the staff and the team to, you know, make a run into the tournament this year? And what are your expectations going into this season? Well, here at UCLA, there's always pressure. Um, there's pressure every day uh, to perform. At, at, you know, this is a school of champions. And uh, we uh, had two very good seasons the first two years and that they'll drop off. You know, people forget um, we put seven guys in the NBA over those course of those years. And, here at UCLA, we can't replace them with JUCO because the academics are so good here, and we can't replace them with fifth-year transfers because they just won't let them in the graduate school. So we have to replace them with freshmen, and we have to hit the mark on those freshmen to replace one-and-done freshmen with other one-and-done freshmen. So with that, we'll come a year like we had this past season, and uh, we had a heck of a schedule, too. I mean, we played everybody. In fact, we even beat Kentucky here in Pauley and we right, went right. up to Gonzaga and beat Gonzaga. So um, 
we had talent. We just didn't couldn't put it together at the end and get enough to get into the NCAA tournament. Uh, this year's team is way more experienced with a couple senior guards and and they've been through through the ringers and with a heralded freshman class. I think we'll we'll be able to make an NCAA run and make a deep run. I mean, we have some very good kids in our program and we'll have it back and ready to go. There's pressure here every day. We we learn to live with it. I, you know, I, I I spent time in Desert Storm and that's the real pressure. Yeah, um, getting real bullets shot at you. So. Um, this stuff is fun. So we'll, we'll have fun with it and we'll do well. Yeah, I was going to say, for those who don't know, I know you spent 20 years in the Air Force. Um, you know, is, is there any sort of one story with that you want to share or does that inform, does your experience with that inform, you know, how you coach now? Well, it, it, it helped me out a lot. You know, um, um, the 20 years that I mean, I had some great supervisors. You know, the Air Force is the best organization at what they do. They're the best in the world. So the processes have been uh, um, have been perfected. So with that, um, the work ethic that I've I've learned through through my 20 years, and it just helped me greatly in this in this career that I'm in now, and, and being able to how to relate with young people and train young people to be uh, the best at what they do is um, goes hand in hand with the military and and college basketball coaching. All right, well, listen, we thank you for your service to our country and uh, certainly appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, we'll talk to you down the road, David. Thank you so much for having me. It was a joy. Josh, uh, you know, it's not too often you talk to a basketball coach who spent 20 years in the Air Force and was in Desert Storm, so he's obviously a unique individual, David Grace, and, you know, he gave us some pretty good insight on the program. Yeah, he's very well-traveled, obviously, in his life, he, he, he leaves the military, and now he's an assistant coach at this Blue Blood College basketball program. Uh, an interesting guy for sure. Yeah, and they definitely have some loaded freshmen coming in there with Lonzo Ball and TJ Leaf. Um, so it should be fun to watch those guys. All right, we're going to move on now to the second quarter and talk to our friend Vin Pastore from the Mass Rivals AAU program. Coach, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. appreciate it, Adam. Hey, Vin, thanks for giving us a few minutes. Uh, obviously, you had a highly successful July there. I mean, it's tough to beat what you did. Four tournaments, four championships. I think you went 21 and 0. You know, just how are you feeling right now, coming off of that? Well, when you win, it's always uh, it's always great. But um, happy for the kids that uh, that they were able to accomplish something that uh, really gets uh, done in uh, grassroots basketball. So it was a great it was a great month of July. I guess. How do you avoid kind of a letdown? I mean, um, you know, you win one tournament, you go on to the next. It would seem inevitably there's a there would be a letdown from one tournament to another, but you guys just kept winning. How did you sustain that? Well, for, for whatever the reason be, uh, they just uh, kept getting more confident and more confident um, with every win. Um, and then they, you know, they made a uh, commitment to each other that they wanted to try to be the best team in the country. And, and, um, and what we talked about for a long time, uh, that they had gone through the summer without losing a basketball game. And, you know, obviously I want to talk about your guards. You know, maybe you had the best backcourt in the summer on any of the circuits, Vin, uh, starting with Makai, Ashton, Langford. What's the latest on his recruitment? I know you've previously said a few schools were focusing on him. Is there anything new? And, and what will he bring to whatever college he goes to? Yeah, well, Makai, Makai is a dynamic type of guy. Uh, and he's elite on both ends of the floor. That's what's unique about him. He can... He can get by anybody on the offensive end, but he can cover the the best uh, the best player from the defense from the from the opponent's team, and that's what he did uh, all summer. Is he he 
cover the best player. And that's difficult to do when so much is expected out of a point guard. Right, right. Um, he, he scores around the rim um, like no other guard, um, I think, in grassroots basketball. Um, and he's in the situation he, he was before. I think he's happy with, with who he's got. He's, Louisville and UConn and Providence have worked very hard on him. Um, and he'll surely take visits to those three places. And I'm not sure if anything else will come up or, or not. Um, so that's his status. And Vin, just to touch on a couple more of your guys, um, Wabisa Bidet is a, a 6-1 guard in the class of 2017 going uh, to Cushing. Uh, he has a ton of offers, kind of varying levels, mid-majors, high-majors. It seems like a, a lot of schools are in the mix for him. What's the latest on him right now? Yeah, Wabisa BD, we call him BD. Uh, he goes by his last name. BD is, um, uh, BD is the kid everybody wants to be in the summer. <laughs> he, became, uh, he became the talker of the summer and uh, his stock soared. Um, he's got so many, uh, so many good things about him. Most importantly, his intangibles are off the chart. He's the best leader I've ever had um, on a basketball team that I've coached. Uh, he leads on the court, well, he's off the court, or out to dinner. Um, he's incredible. And I, and I think he, he was the kid that everybody says just a little bit too short and just not quite athletic enough. And all of a sudden, um, Rivals.com uh, had him the MVP of the July period in any uh, circuit. <laughs> so everything's coming now. Uh, uh, from Georgia Tech to Virginia Tech to Oklahoma, and all the way down to the schools that, you know, were really recruiting them hard uh, going into the summer, which were UMass, um, LaSalle, and Butler. Another 2017 kid playing for you, Vin, um, Aaron Wheeler. He's a 6'8 wing. Uh, what's the latest on him after the summer that he had? Um, well, Aaron, Aaron's one of these guys that, he's, uh, that I loved, and I've only had him for a year because his best days are ahead. Uh, he, he has all the, all the looks. He's 6'8", like you said. He's long. He's athletic as can be. He runs and his body moves great. He can shoot the three. He can put the ball to the floor. Um, and he has moments where he looks like uh, he plays at the absolute highest level of college basketball. And those are becoming more consistent. So Aaron has a – he's got a whole bunch of people that have offered him. He's got a whole bunch of mix of people interested in him as well. But whoever gets him is going to be looking back two years ago and saying, wow, he's that kid, you know? Um, Adam and I were talking – Earlier this morning, I just wanted to touch on you know New England at large and the balance of power of AAU in the region. You know, someone argued that uh, the BABC program is kind of the name program up there. You know, playing on the Nike circuit, they've been around for many many years. Yeah. Um, with you guys winning Adidas, can the balance of power change up there or at least shift a little? Um, well, I think I think other people have to evaluate that. Listen, Leo Papel in the BABC is. Uh, his, his work over the years is, is incredible. I don't think anybody could take that away. He's, he's one of the, uh, the superstars of grassroots basketball. Um, you know, and, um, and there's two Nike teams, of course, the expressions up there and, of course, the New England players. Um, I've been good for a, for a long time now, you know, since the Noah Vaughn Lane days and, um, you know, through the, you know, the uh, Jalen Adams and the Wenyan Gabriels and, and the Kai Ashton Langford 
I think uh, I think that each program's you know is, is reputation and record stands for itself. But I, I know my program's about getting kids to to college, you know, having a free education. I, I think that's what elite grassroots basketball is about. And I think uh, you know I think we've done our share of the mass rivals to show that forget New England, we we one of the most consistent programs in the country. Hey, Vin, it's Adam. I uh, just want to congratulate you again on a great July. You know, it's the kind of thing summer coaches dream of, going undefeated, and uh, we're happy for you, and we'll, and we'll talk to you down the road, okay? I appreciate it. Enjoy. It's interesting there, Josh. You know, they probably had the best backcourt in the summer, and you had one guy there in Makai Ashton Langford who was already highly regarded going into July with, you know, pretty much UConn, Louisville, and Providence. And you get the other guy, Beatty, whose stock kind of takes off, and, you know, blows up, and now he gets more offers. So you had a, kind of one of each, and, and they really just dominated in July. It's interesting. I mean, and, and Vin made a good point. He's had guys uh, like Wenyan Gabriel and Jalen Adams and Noah Vonley, and they win the Adidas circuit this year, and they're probably still not going to get the respect of a team like BABC or Expressions just because those teams play on the Nike circuit. That, that whole dynamic with the two sneaker circuits, it, you know, it, it, it's really very interesting. Yep. All right, we're going to move on now to the third quarter and talk a little USA youth basketball. Um, you know, we've been covering this pretty extensively on Zag's blog and on the podcast this summer. The U18s, Josh, beat Canada 99-84. I believe that was Saturday night, right? Yes, sir. Uh, and they're now 53-2 and in under-18 play. Uh, they didn't really, weren't really tested at all other than that Cam Canada game. Your thoughts on their performance there? They were very dominant, uh, you know, FIBA Americas generally with our youth teams, you know, 16s, 17s, and 18s, you know, generally dominate that event. As you said, they weren't really tested during this FIBA Americas run except for the title game. Uh, it was a two-point game at two different junctures of the fourth quarter, and guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Markel Fultz really carried it home for them. Uh, again, you know, we, you know we've, we've been talking all summer. As you said, we've been writing and, and covering this extensively. Uh, our youth programs continue to be uh, the best in the world, certainly the best in this in this part of the world, as evidenced by uh, the FIBA America's win. Um, speaking of Markel Fultz, uh, he had a huge tournament down there uh, in Chile. He was named the MVP uh, of FIBA America's heading for Washington. Uh, would you agree that he's a future pro? Yeah, you know, it's funny because as we talked about, I think last time I talked to some NBA guys, uh, who watched the workouts in Houston before they left for Chile, and they said, hey, Markel Fultz, you know, best player here. He and Michael Porter, best scorers here. And, you know, lo and behold, those guys didn't disappoint. You know, they, they both they both played great. They're both going to Washington. Um, I think there's some, you know, possibility that Markel Fultz will be in the conversation as a number one overall pick in the 2017 NBA draft. You know, you're going to have Jason Tatum from Duke, Harry Giles from Duke, Josh Jackson from Kansas. Um, and Markel Fultz in that conversation. Draft Express currently has Fultz at number two. And, you know, he played on the wing there along with these point guards, Trey Young, Quade Green, and Matt Coleman. So, uh, you know, again, if you're Lorenzo Romar, um, you got to be very excited about what you're getting in this kid. And, you know, f for all intents and purposes, he looks like a one-and-done top-five kid. Um, Washington has not been to the NCAA tournament since uh, 2011, despite having just a slew of, of stars, you know, uh, Marquise Chris, DeWante Murray, C.J. Wilcox, uh, who else? Tony Roten, Terrence Ross. So, you know, you're bringing in Markel Fultz and Michael Porter Jr. You should be going to the NCAA tournament, but I suppose we'll see. Yeah, I mean, Porter doesn't come 
you know, he'll probably never play with Fultz. He comes in a year uh, from yes, now. Yes, yes. But, yeah, that's two two back-to-back guys. And, you know, we should mention the two future Huskies were the leading scorers on the under-18 team. They combined to average 29.6, you know, basically 30 points a game, 10 rebounds, and almost eight assists between the two of them. So, you know, how much do you think the pressure's on Romar to, to start winning now with these guys? I mean, I think I think there's a lot of pressure. I You know, I think – I'll a lot of college coaching is, you know, you're selling hope, you know, you're bringing in recruits and, and you're, you know, you're looking a little bit down the road and you're selling the notion, okay, that they can be good, but it's, it's time to see the fruits of that recruiting. You know, we all know that Lorenzo Romar is a, is a very strong recruiter. He, he hasn't been to the tournament since 2011, despite having, you know, tournament caliber players, tournament caliber teams, you know, there's really not that many, excuses left so I think the I think the pressure is very high on Lorenzo Romar to get to an NCAA tournament right now yeah he's obviously a friend of uh, a friend of ours he's been on the podcast several times and yep. you know great guy and establishes uh, strong relationships with kids and you know now he's got the players uh, the next two years and he's got to go out and get it done all right we're going to move on now to the fourth quarter talk about the USA senior national team and a little NBA you want to get us started on this one I'm going to do that um so uh, Team USA is on their pre-Olympic tour, playing various countries in various cities. Uh, they were at Oracle Arena last night to play China, blew out the Chinese national team 107-57. to uh, That game last night was Kevin Durant's first appearance at Oracle. Obviously, he signed with the Golden State Warriors on July 4th. Uh, how happy do you think those fans at Oracle were last night seeing, seeing Durant play like that? Well, he scored the first 10 points of the game for Team USA, so he gave them, you know, immediately what they wanted, and, you know, it just works out perfectly for the Warriors fans that, you know, they're coming off this tough seven-game series loss to LeBron and the Cavs in the finals, and it, they get this huge Christmas present in the summer of Kevin Durant, and, you know, they return most of their key stars. They're going to lose Harrison Barnes, but, you know, they get Klay Thompson, Steph Curry back, and... Um, and they also get to see Durant play with Draymond Green and Klay Thompson in the summer on the national team. So if you're a Warriors fan, you know, you got to be feeling good and you got to be thinking, hey, we could win 70, 75 games again. Um, you know, let's also mention, Josh, that Carmelo Anthony had a strong game. He had 20 points in, you know, pretty limited conservative minutes last night. He looks happy. He's playing well. On top of that, he's using this forum to talk about social issues, the gun issue. He held uh, an event in Los Angeles where they met with police officers and youth, talked about gun violence, and then, then he held a press conference afterwards. Um, so he seems to be in a very positive place right now. He's mentioned he's excited about the Knicks, Derek Rose, and uh, Joe Kim Noah. Do you think this experience as a whole this summer, especially if they win gold, can rejuvenate him for the Knicks season? Or are you worried that it might tire him out or he could get an injury that could hurt him with the Knicks? Well, I think there's something to both of those factors. I think the, um, I think the fact that Phil Jackson went out and got guys like Derrick Rose and, um, and Joe Kim Noah, I think that has rejuvenated Carmelo Anthony. I think, um, I think Carmelo thinks that the Knicks can be really good and that they can be a factor in the Eastern Conference. Now, uh, he's been in the league a lot of years, and he's obviously had some injuries in recent years. And the fact that he's going, you know, playing in these exhibition games before the Olympics, then going to the Olympics, there's some risk there. You know, there's always an injury risk when you're playing outside the NBA season. I don't think, you know, I don't think any NBA team is, you know, 100% thrilled with their guys playing in the Olympics just because it's, you know, outside of their interest and it's just added, um, you know, added risk for injury. So uh, I do think Carmelo 
is rejuvenated by the summer that Phil Jackson had. But I also think that there is some risk for injury just because it's you know extra games and extra wear and tear on his body. The good news is that Carmelo and these guys won't be swimming in the water in Rio <laughs> or doing any sailing, and you know hopefully they're just drinking bottled water because if you read the accounts of the water situation down there, there was a story in the New York Times today that was yeah. pretty disturbing. Um, you know it's you got to be worried for the swimmers and the sailors and all those people. So luckily Carmelo won't be anywhere near the water. Um. Amari Stoudemire yesterday, Adam, uh, retired from the NBA. He, reti- he signed a one-day contract with the Knicks, retired as a Nick, despite his obvious best days being uh, you know, with the Phoenix Suns. Now, you and I, uh, you know, we've covered enough Knicks stuff between SNY and also NBA.com uh, a few years back. You, know, you spend time around Amari, so have I. My question to you is, what is your greatest Amari memory? Well, first of all, it's funny. I should say that I spoke to Amari um, a couple weeks ago briefly. He was at the Peach Jam. He was there watching the teams. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he ends up coaching, you know, maybe an AAU team, kind of like the way Penny Hardaway and some of these guys do. And I had a brief chat with him. I was like, hey, Amari, do you know what you're doing next? And he said he was still trying to figure that out. And, um, you know, obviously in the two weeks from Peach Jam to now, he, he decided to retire or, you know, maybe he already knew then. But, look, Am- Amari Stoudemire, I think uh, – all the reporters and, and fans, you had to like this guy, you know, even though he had some knee injuries, he took a big leap of faith there in that summer coming to the Knicks, proclaiming New York is back. He paved the way for guys like Carmelo and Tyson Chandler and now later Derek Rose to come to New York and, you know, try to make them relevant again. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. Did they have the success people thought they would have? No, the, their best success was a second round in the playoffs that one year. Um, and, you know, he and Carmelo obviously never meshed, but he certainly gave us some, some wild stories. He, you know, he took the wine baths. You know, he talked about how he did full baths and red wine, and I think Mark Berman asked him once if it was Manischewitz <laughs> wine because Amari's Jewish, or, or maybe that was just a joke that Mark made, I forget. And then he, of course, had the famous in- incident where he punched the fire extinguisher and injured his hand during the playoffs that one year. So it was kind of a, you know, roller coaster up and down ride for Amari, but um, I think anybody who's met him has to root for him as a person going forward. Let me just add to that. You know, he, he's, he was definitely um, a media-friendly NBA player, always gave the reporters, you know, the time of day with, you know, with good, eloquent answers. Quick story, in the middle of Linsanity back in 2012, Amari had missed several games with a back injury, hadn't been around, hadn't been talking much. He, you know, pregame one night, uh, he's still injured. He shows up in the locker room randomly. He sees that there's, you know, a crowd of reporters just standing in the locker room. So he calls over the reporters, and he gave us five or six minutes. Didn't have to do that, but that's the kind of guy Amari was. He kind of, you know, goes to a different beat. And in terms of media access and, and just the answers he gave, he will be missed. Yep, that's definitely true. All right, we're done for the day. Remember to check out zagsblog.com for all your recruiting news throughout the summer. More coverage of Team USA basketball, and we'll also have coverage of the Big Strick and the Under Armour Elite 24 games coming to the Big Apple next month. Remember to check out all of SMY.TV's original podcasts. Just subscribe to the SMY.TV audio network on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That's the SMY.TV audio network. Please make sure to rate and review the channel. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Zagoria and at Joshua underscore Newman. Thanks for listening and subscribing. We are out. This has been the Four Quarters Podcast, part of the SNY.TV Audio Network.